Up next is Connections. Talk. Talk show. Talk back. Talk radio. Walk your talk. Talk your talk. KGNU talk. Call in. Call in and talk. Call in and connect. Connections. Friday mornings at 8.30 on KGNU. Welcome to our calling show, Connections, this morning here on KGNU Member Powered Community Radio. I am your host, Rosana Longobetter, and this morning we have Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation, to talk about the pulse, or what is called in Spanish, el pulso. It's a survey as a survey that exposes a ranks and a series of problems facing people who live in Colorado. And I'm saying people who live in Colorado, not residents on purpose, because we are also including those that are undocumented. And, uh, you know, this survey is super interesting because it talks about the top issues related to increasing cost of housing, and living in our state. And as you know, Connections is a calling show, so we're hoping that this morning you will give us a call and ask questions to this expert that knows numbers but also knows how to explain numbers to us in an easy way. Welcome, Austin, to KGNU. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I saw you in a Zoom presentation to a bunch of journalists, and when you were doing this presentation, a lot of the journalists were so impressed by the numbers. One of the things that somebody said there was, I cannot believe how many people are worried that they are not going to be able to pay their mortgage, that they are worried about that. We're talking about that the 2,000 people, more than 2,000 people that you, uh, that you survey, 50% mm. of them were worried about losing their home. So when, when this came to, you know, to our meeting, I was like, this needs to be, this needs to be talked about. So with that intro, I will love it if you can please explain how this survey came about. Give us a little bit of the history why you're putting this out. Um, I know this is the fourth year. Yes. Okay. And also, I would like to ask you why you got into this. Why is this important for you? Yes. Yes. So the Colorado Health Foundation is one of the largest health-focused foundations in the country, um, which is a phenomenal resource to Coloradans, really. Um, we focus on um, 
communities, engaging closely with communities across the state. And that's through investing, it's through advocating for change, and it's through um, understanding Coloradans through our research. And one of the ways that we do that is through Pulse, the Colorado Health Foundation Poll. So this is um, the fourth year, like you said, um, of doing the poll. Um, We started it in 2020. um, And really, one of our main focuses is we want to listen to communities. We believe that communities know what they need. They're they're the experts, right? So um, one of the ways that we listen to folks is that we do some quantitative research. And so this year, um, we interviewed over 2,600 Coloradans from across the state. Um, and it was between April 8th and May 2nd. Um, it included 48 questions ranging um, on issues of, you know, what's what's top of mind? What's what's their main concerns? What are their priorities for themselves, their families, their, their communities, lawmakers? Um, and we had conversations that lasted about 20 minutes between um, uh, each individual. Um, the interviews were conducted between English and Spanish and... Um, you know, we're really asking folks, you know, what do you, what keeps you up at night? What are some of the issues that you're talking about at your dinner tables with your friends, with your, with your colleagues? Um, And, you know, these issues range from affordable housing, food insecurity, um, jobs, financial security, a bunch of different um, topics, right? Um, and really, this is a chance for us to not only learn how we can better guide our funding practices and priorities, but also see what gaps exist. Um, and then, you know, because we are a foundation that is particularly focused on folks who have historically had less power or privilege, um, we, we're centered on um, focusing on um, Coloradans of color as well as um, Coloradans with low income. So in doing so, we also oversample um, populations like African-Americans and Black Coloradans, um, Asian-Americans, and Native Americans. And because those populations generally um, are are small relative to our white counterparts, we want to make sure that we get enough interviews that we feel confident in the data from those, um, and particularly with Native and Indigenous Coloradans. Um, we work with uh, community organizations from across the state, um, community leaders, in order to get more information from folks who identify as Native or Indigenous. Part of the reason why I got involved in this was because um, I've always seen the power that data can bring. Um, and, you know, a lot of us are able to, to have good conversations with our friends and our colleagues, but we also want to learn more about what folks outside of our circles are thinking. So this is one way to do that. We're able to, to talk to folks who identify across the political spectrum, um, folks in different income brackets, um, in different in different communities have different experiences right so i've always seen the power of data and um i know that we can then turn that data into actual 
true action. Completely. Thank you so much. You are listening to Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation, talking about the polls, a survey that exposes the problems and the worries of our people here living in Colorado. Thank you so much for what you have said. Data is absolutely important, you know, and in this country especially, and in every country, if you don't have numbers to back you up, then you you don't have a ground. And it is super important for us to talk about those numbers and to understand them in a way that we can use them then to, you know, ask for what we need. So as I was looking into your data, we know that there are a few things that are really hard to understand right now. Do you know how we got into this? After we went through the pandemic, now we are facing a situation that in a way, by looking at these numbers, there's no hope. So, and especially, I'm going to say it out loud, especially for our communities of color that were the ones working, that had those jobs that were, you know, exposed. They had many um, hard things to deal with. And now, even though they work really hard, some of them die, some of them survive, Now they're having to face the reality that these numbers that you're going to talk about today are going to be closing a door for a lot of uh, their dreams. You know, what is the American dream here in America is to be able to own your home, to get get ahead by getting an education, opening a business. And with the numbers that you are showing us right now, that does not seem is going to happen. Why? Because people are worried, are so worried about even putting food on the table. So if you can talk about those numbers to us. So, and I'm also calling to my listeners this morning because you have somebody here that can answer your questions to really understand these numbers so that we can be strong. Please, Austin, explain to us how is it that people are worried about putting even food on their table like the basics yeah so you know year over year what we're finding is that the the rising cost of living and housing affordability tops the list of of coloradans concerns um this year when we asked coloradans to rank a series of problems um, of the top issues um Respondents put the rising cost of living um, as their number one, or as a, a the one of the most extremely or very serious problems facing the state. Eighty five percent of Coloradans said that, um, and then the cost of housing. Eighty two percent of Coloradans said that that was an extremely or very serious problem across the state. Um, we know that the severity of these concerns are definitely being felt at a higher level for communities of color, like you said, um, particularly among Latino and Native American or indigenous populations. Um, And when we started this poll in 2020, you know, the health effects or economic effects of COVID-19 
certainly ranked at the top of folks' lists. Now in 2023, that ranked pretty much at 0% this year, right? So folks aren't necessarily concerned about COVID anymore. However, what we do see is that since COVID happened and people's concerns about all of these other issues went, they skyrocketed, right? Because of the pandemic, right? A lot of folks had to make really hard decisions during during COVID. Um, but so while worries about the pandemic itself have waned, other issues that skyrocketed have now plateaued at a very high level for folks. Um, and one of the things uh, that comes to my mind, thank you, Austin Montoya, for talking about this. But one of the things that comes to my mind right now as you are speaking is uh, displacement. Because, of course, during the pandemic, a lot of people bought houses away mm. from the cities and also in the, you know, and the cities in a way change also. Um, and a lot of people lost their houses because they couldn't, you know, pay, even though there were those supports and all those supports that people received during the pandemic that was, you know, support for being able to get food, support for paying the rent, and other services vanish now. So now we have a situation that is worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the focuses of the Pulse poll is that um, we want to get this data not just in the hands of the public, but we want to get this into the hands of advocates as well as local policymakers, state legislators, um, state agencies, so that they can make some of these worries and concerns a top priority for for them and their work, right? So one of the questions that we ask, um, we call them our policy solutions questions. Um, and so we ask, you know, what do you think would be effective? What are some things that you think would be effective um, for, for folks to um, address these concerns? So when it comes to the rising cost of living, um, a lot of respondents demonstrated confidence in making it easier for people on low incomes to enroll in programs um, that can help them afford necessities like food or health care, right? 74% um, of respondents said that that would be an effective um, solution. Um, other solutions that folks suggested was increasing tax credits to people living on low incomes, um, uh, 70% said that would be effective. 68% uh, said that um, government investments could be effect. Uh, gover same government in uh, investments could effectively stimulate the economy and create better paying jobs. 63% said that raising taxes on people making over $500,000 a year um, as effective. And a lot of these solutions uh, cross political ideology. So a lot of Coloradans see a lot of things that policymakers should and could make a priority, um, whether that is, um, you know, certain regulations, um, new laws on the books, things like that. And I know a lot of lawmakers already have some of these things on, on their minds and on their list of things that they want to address. 
Um, the important thing is, though, now they have data saying that this is what the people want. Mm -hmm. they, they can use that to back up their needs. Austin Montoya, we have you here in KGNU Community Radio. You are um, with the Colorado Health Foundation. You are the Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications. We're talking this morning about a pulse, a survey that talks about the concerns of Coloradans. Um, I want to make sure to tell my listeners that at soon at 9, we are going to start getting your calls, and you can call to 303-442-4242. We have here our volunteer, young volunteers. We have our interns here waiting for your calls this morning. So the phone number, again, is 303-442-4242. Call us if you have questions. Call us if you want to share how you are dealing with these realities that we are facing right now. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, what are your thoughts, Austin, around young people right now? Because let's be realistic. Another thing that your data, your data is showing is that it's going to be impossible, even if our young ones have a full-time job, let's say two jobs, let's say even three jobs, to acquire a home and start building what their parents built. So in other words, our young ones are far away from being able to do what we were able to do in a way. Some of us lucky enough to be able to own a home, even a mobile home, gives you the stability to know that the next day they are not going to put you out in the street, but at least you have a plan and that if you cannot pay that mortgage, you can find ways for extension like at least two months. But the reality for our young ones is not fun here in Colorado. So what are your, uh, what are those numbers that you can talk about uh, that will give a light or a pathway for our young uh, upcoming people, you know, the, the workforce in Colorado? Um, you know, the, the Colorado Health Foundation, like I said, works with so many um, amazing community organizations, advocacy organizations across the state. Um, many of them focus on some of these issues of, of housing, of food insecurity, not, not feeling like they have enough to, to truly live a healthy and good life, right? So we do know that there are plenty of resources out there. We also know that there are there is a gap sometimes of connecting actual people to some of the some of the resources out there, right? the 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 data shows us that um, you know we asked folks, do you rent or own a home? Um, most people said that they were renting, right? But all of those renters, nearly 85% of those renters said that they aspire to own a home at some point in their life. But over a majority of those folks who said that they rent also said they don't believe that it's ever possible for them to actually own a home in Colorado, right? And then we also asked parents, um, you know, 
how how concerned are you that your that your children be will be able to afford to continue living in Colorado? And four in five parents said that they are really worried that their children will no longer be able to live in Colorado with them. We know that there are resources out there to help, right? There there are plenty of of federal programs, state programs. We also know a lot of those are going away, especially post-pandemic. What we can do, though, is if folks are struggling with that, that we can absolutely make sure that we connect folks to the organizations that we work with, that we partner with, that we fund, um, in order to get them connected and ultimately live a good, healthy life. Austin Montoya this morning talking about the polls, a survey done by the Colorado Health Foundation. This is the fourth year. The findings are tremendous, not to say anything else. And, you know, the the point that you just raised right now about, um, you know, services and all those things for young people um, and for in people in general, there's something that I heard that is happening right now, for example, at the universities. There are universities, even here, the CU Boulder, that are having lines, long lines with people getting food, uh, free food. And they, and for young people, you know, food is super important. I remember la- when the pandemic was deep, the food wo- you know, there was this organization that was bringing the food home and they realized the need was so huge because a lot of our, especially around our communities of color, a lot of them are not um, applying to those services. They are being shamed when they are in the line that is free food. And we talk about that. And by having the food delivered at the house, at their doorstep, they were fed during the during this time where their parents were outside working, being exposed, but they had this opportunity to have good quality food. And this uh, organization had to work so hard because the numbers were increasing and increasing. Then is when they realized how many people need these kind of mm. services, but they do not apply. Why do you think people don't apply? I think a lot of it has to do, just like what you said, part of it is is shame, right? There's there's a lot of stigma around asking for help. There's a lot of stigma around needing help. Um, what we do know and what Pulse tells us clearly is that they're certainly not alone, right? Um one of the questions we asked was, in the last 12 months, have you ever had to skip meals because you couldn't afford food? 14% of respondents said that they have skipped meals in the last year, right? Um, and that was even higher for for young people. 23% um, from of people 18 to 29 said that they've skipped meals. Um, Native Americans especially, 35% said that they've skipped meals. Um, people living on low incomes, so people who have a household income of less than 50000 a year, that's 34%. Um, there's additional counties across Colorado, too, um, that had particularly high rates. Um, Adams County, 22% of folks living in Adams County have skipped meals, right? 
a lot of people are having to make some of these really difficult decisions on a day-to-day basis, whether that's skipping meals, whether that's working multiple jobs, um, having to move back in with their parents, other family members, gaining additional roommates, um, just just to afford the day-to-day, right? Um, so we know that folks are not alone. Um, and that's what I really want people to know is that across the state, a lot of these issues are, are major issues that are affecting a lot of people. They're affecting their neighbors. They're affecting their friends. They're affecting other family members. So if you do find yourself in some of these positions, know that that shame should not necessarily exist. There's a lot of different powers and, you know, outside pressures that they don't have control over necessarily. But there are plenty of resources, community organizations um, that can at least help them um, make less of these hard decisions. Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation, talking to us the polls about the polls, sorry, the survey that talks about the problems, you know, what people are facing, why they are worried about every day not being able to pay the bills, not being able to afford living in the beautiful state of Colorado. It seems like... Uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to stay in this in this land. And uh, just a small reflection around this, you know, owning a home, owning a piece of land is almost impossible. There's a lot of um, hedge funds. There's a lot of people coming and buying land here. Why? Because there's water and uh, they don't even live here. They are not from Colorado. They don't understand the Colorado vibe in a way, but they are buying land, they are buying houses, they are having them empty here. And our people are having to face the reality that they will be displaced because they cannot afford it. Our young ones, yes, they can get an education, they can get a loan, they can get in debt. But at the end of the day, even with a full-time job, they are not going to be able to own a house unless they have parents who have as you know, some other money so that they can help them. But talking about that, how would you advise to a young person to get ahead, to start thinking about how can I own a home now that if I start working and I get, you know, I want to start thinking about it? Because it's the only way, as you know, land property ownership was allowed only to for, at the beginning in this country, only if you were a white male. So we're talking about the disparities, the historic disparities. Mm -hmm. Austin, what advice would you give these young ones? Yeah, I mean, that is, that's a, that is a major issue, right? That is still affecting us to this day. I know that from my personal experience as a, as a, a brown man, I, I didn't grow up with a lot, um, particularly um, in my in my early childhood. A lot of my family had struggled to afford some of these common necessities. Um, in high school, I had to have multiple jobs in order to to help my family afford food, afford you know some of the necessities that we needed. 
Um, it was certainly not easy for not me. Not easy. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I, I almost, I do feel lucky in that I have been able to build up enough of, of, you know, experience. And I was able to go to, to school. I grew up in Colorado Springs. I went mm -hmm. to school in Fort Collins. Um, and now I live in Lakewood, Colorado with my partner and, um, we own a home together. I've been able to to do a lot of the things that truly I never thought was possible. So yeah, there's true. There's people that have acquired the American dream, but at the same time, by the numbers that you are giving us right now, they are worrisome of keeping the American dream. That mm -hmm. is their house, their, the roof over their head. How many people are worried about that? You know, um, about 40% of respondents um, who own their home um, are worried that they may not be able to afford their, their mortgage and they may lose their home. Again, this is why we do Pulse, because we want these numbers out to the decision makers, the folks in power, um, so that they know that this isn't just affecting a small population. Um, it's not just affecting people on low income. Um, it's not just affecting communities of color. It's affecting everyone. And like you said in your presentation for um, this group of journalists is a domino effect. So if this starts happening, that people cannot afford living here, the people that are working for you, doing, you know, doing the things that that will make your life easier are having to be displaced. They have to go find another state so that they can acquire the American dream, have a stability and feel secure in this land, in this country, the, um, the, um, the you know, this land of opportunity. So it is nine to Right now, I'm saying bye to one of the young interns here, one of the young volunteers that we have. It's 9.02, and this is the moment when I open now the phones to you. The phone number here is 303-442-4242, and we have um, people waiting for your calls, and I would love to hear from you out there if you have questions this morning for Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation, Austin Montoya. So what we're going to do, Austin, right now is we're going to listen to a short interview, part of the interview I did with a reporter from the Denver Post, Sanja Hindi. I interviewed recently, not too many months ago, maybe four months ago, and we talk about data again as she was part of a project called Losing Ground, where a few different newsrooms gather and start producing stories around and bringing, just like you, the voices of the people out there. This is going to take us, you know, three, four minutes, and after that, I'm hoping to get some calls from you guys. So let's listen to the short piece that I have for you with Sanja Hindi, reporter from the Denver Post. Project that was called Losing Ground, and that was back in 2013, that also tracked equity gaps, poverty levels, home ownership rates, and education attainment 
and median family income among black, Latino, and white Coloradans from 1960 to 2010. And now with Chasing Progress, different news outlets have been doing different investigations. And today we have Saja Hindi from the Denver Post to talk to us about her findings and also the report that she recently put out that has been shared in different outlets. This is important for, especially for us, Latino community and Black Coloradans to understand where we are. What were the most eye-opening findings for you and why? That's a good question. I will say that, honestly, I was really surprised by how much the poverty rates had dropped. Obviously, there are a lot of factors that play into that, including the fact that the official poverty measure is based on or is partly based on three times the minimum cost of food from 1973, a long time ago. In 2021, the poverty guideline adjusted for inflation, but it's the same all across the country, was $26,000, $26,500 for a family of four. And so even in our story, we wrote that the polite critics call the measure antiquated. And of course, just because the rates have fallen doesn't mean that they're necessarily good. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more later, but Latinos in 2021, for example, had a 15% poverty rate compared to 7% for white Coloradans. I definitely don't mean to take away from the good. There is progress, but like our story showed, there's much more progress to go and the rates don't necessarily provide a full picture. When we were reporting on the story, we kept coming back to this one quote from one of the people we interviewed, Valerie Harris. She talked about how as a family, aside from the pandemic, they were doing much better than they were a decade ago. But she said that it also felt like a lot of Black Coloradans were renting their lifestyles. And the quote she used was, we don't own more homes. We don't own more businesses. We just have more jobs. That's not better. The Colorado Center on Law and Policy uses the self-sufficiency standard. Um, It has a formula that is calibrated for the state's 64 counties and family sizes and types, and it looks at additional costs. And we actually have a graph in the story that I'd encourage people to look at to see between what the standard shows and what the federal poverty measure shows. So let's take Arapahoe County, for example, where the main couple who shared their story live. One adult in Arapahoe County would need to earn over $38,000 just to cover their basic needs. That's a little bit less than what they earned combined. On its face, it's really good news, right, that poverty, especially among Latinos and African-Americans, is near historic lows. But your story also held some big caveats. Can you talk about those? Absolutely. So... One thing our story examined is both direct and indirect factors that had an impact on rates. When it comes to the official poverty measure, you're really looking at the direct factors, how the economy is doing. We also looked at the minimum wage hikes in Denver, what the unemployment rate looks like and what jobs are available and whether people could fully participate in the workforce in the first place. During the pandemic, you had things like expanded child tax credits and other aid that helped families. But the numbers also reflect things like women 
waiting later in life to have children, and that's backed by data from the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the change in makeup of families with fewer single parent households and more families that were doubling up, basically living with extended family members or other adults that could contribute. And then you have something that's happened for years for lower income households, basically people working multiple jobs to make ends meet, longer hours. The experts we talked to kept reiterating that a lot of what has impacted Latino and Black Coloradans economic stability is related to systemic barriers, not just individual decisions. So one of the advocates we talked to pointed to things like school funding, higher interest loans, a lack of access to quality health care. So all of that played into the economic progress and economic stability over the past decade. You just listened Hindi, reporter from the Denver Post, award-winning journalist, talking about investigation, a series chasing progress that she was part of, and the numbers that are eye-opener. So what's your reflection? I'm speaking here with Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation. What's your reflection after listening to Sanja Hindi? You know, a lot of what she was talking about absolutely makes sense. Um, a lot of the data that Pulse found aligns with that data. Communities of color are struggling. They're worried about how they can move forward with their with their lives. They're worn, wondering, you know, am I able to get a better paying job? Am I going to be able to afford a house? Am I going to be able to afford home, uh, you know, food on my table? Um, yes, and that's one of the things, you know, everything, the cost of living keeps on rising, but you, uh, your salary never increases. So with that, I think that there's no way out. And Austin, we have somebody calling already. We have David great. from Boulder, and I want to make sure that we bring him just to hear if he has a question for you or he wants to share a concern. So, David, you are here in KGNU. Do you have a question for us, David? I run an organization called Goose Creek Community Land Trust. And land trusts are the developers that never go away. They organize local people to build affordable housing on permanently on community-controlled land. And um, so my question is, uh, would love you here you consider is we think it's so hard this housing challenge and we look at boulder oh it's so hard what do we do with this gordian knot it just we just can't solve it but if you challenge the, the core idea that land should be allocated to the highest bidder which is a colonial settler colonial idea imposed on the native american um, you know, quite a different view of land, then it, it can be solved pretty easily um, where the government ensures that there is housing for for everyone. And then you get to the challenge of, oh, affordable housing, I don't, I don't want affordable housing, which is our system is so broken in this country because it continues to segregate people on the land by 
income and thus by race. So if you challenge that view and go towards a vision of mixed income housing, especially not uh, dominated by uh, car-oriented transportation, then you can have much more successful communities that can integrate younger people, um, people of different incomes, and, and naturally then people of different races. So I'm just wondering if you all have thought about, if you could consider that idea that rather than uh, having a idea of, of land development that allows people to be segregated by income on the land, um, but instead has a vision of let's have a successful um, form of, of, of sharing the land with, with everyone. David, thank you so much for what you were asking right now. Thank you so much. I think that you are, you are naming something important that is to request the government to, you know, come together as a society and say, hey, this is what we need. How can you help us to get this corrected? A word that comes to my mind is also reparations. So, Austin, would you like to take this, uh, this question that Dave has posed for us? Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, the, the, the Colorado Health Foundation is certainly focused on issues of housing and particularly affordi affordable housing across the state. Um, we work with a bunch of different organizations um, that either help folks get into housing, um, but we also are focusing some of our efforts and investments towards building communities, like you said, um, David, about, you know, mixed use um, spaces, right? Um, we know that a, a strong, healthy community includes everything that you possibly need, right? So that could look like, you know, an apartment building that has um, some commercial spaces, has affordable uh, housing units, has daycare available, has some, some you know, <clears throat> cafes, uh, food, right? So all of those things, we we know that that's what makes a community strong. Because when you mm -hmm. when you have all of the things that you need, particularly in close proximity to you, where you don't have to drive across the 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 city in order to get the things that you need, if you're able to walk or bike to those communities, right? That makes um, not just the individual happier and healthy. But it truly builds a, a sense of well-being, a sense of welcoming and belonging. Um, and so that's one of the things that the, the foundation is certainly focused on. So we, we invest in that. We support organizations that work towards those issues. So it's, it's definitely a priority. A priority. You are listening to Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy, Advocacy, Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation. We're talking about the polls, a survey that exposes the concerns that Coloradans have. We also have in, thank you so much for what you just said, and I'm pretty sure people can connect with you. Huh? At the end of the show, we you will give your, your email so that people can connect with you directly. Right now we have John on on the line. John, do you have a question for Austin this morning? Are you there? Yes, yes, yes. Please, if you have a question for Austin this morning. Yes, uh, I'm saying we can solve this. 
there is a way out. It's all quite simple, but, of course, difficult. Uh, we're in this ridiculous system run for the rich where they have austerity capitalism, everybody fighting for scraps. And so all these people fighting for good causes are basically fighting against each other. I mean, how can you get reparations when there's, the money has to come from housing and education? We have to uh, get together for once and demand and get information about where the candidate's money is from, who are they going to work for, and actually elect candidates who will work for people and not for the money. And in that way, get back to uh, a functioning democracy. And then we can get the uh, the wealthy, who, I mean, if a bank's in trouble, they get a trillion dollars, no problem. Uh, what, $13 trillion farmed out? Uh, if people need it, the money's not there. We have to change that, and we have to uh, collect the revenue from the ultra-rich um, and get the um, uh, the services available for people. And uh, if the government is elected to work for people, they can then uh, address these problems and uh, and do something about it. So what do you think? Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, you know, when we ask what we call our policy solutions questions in um, impulse, we ask about you know what what are some of the some of the ideas um, that folks bring up in order to address some of these some of these issues, right? How effective do you think that um, some of these these things could be, right? Um, so when we ask, you know. How how do you think that we can make um, housing more affordable for people who live in Colorado? Um, ideas ranged from reducing property taxes for homeowners living on lower fixed incomes. Eighty um, percent of respondents said that would be effective. Um, raising taxes on people making over five hundred thousand dollars per year um, to cover services like housing, healthcare, or education, right? 63% of Coloradans across the state said that that would be um, very effective. Um, you know, and this, these, some of these policies um, are, are fairly equal across political ideologies. Um, you know, for, for the first one for reducing property tax, taxes, um, Democrats, um, suggested that would be uh, 89% said it would be effective, independents 81%, um, and Republicans 76%, right? I think a lot of that shows that, um, you know, while we may not um, necessarily always agree with each other on everything, particularly on some of these top concerns like housing, like the cost of living, um, we know that these are big issues. And we know that there are solutions that can be done to address them, right? So we want to make sure that policymakers, whether it's your city councilor, your state legislator, your county commissioner, that they know that these are, are solutions that folks believe could effectively address. Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation. 
Thank you for what you just said. Uh, we're talking this morning about the polls, a survey that exposes the problems that here we in Colorado we are facing. Thank you, um, John, for what you just said and what you asked for Austin. We also have Lynn in the line, and I want to make sure that we have the chance to hear from you, Lynn. Do you have a question for Austin this morning? Austin, this, all, this is all very good and fine, but if there isn't a growth agenda that changes, all it is is more of the same. Another Zocalo, you know, Arapahoe out by Jewish Community Center. It's a whole city, and it's all walkable. It's just there's another city here and one here and one there and one there all the way to Nebraska. And guess who's laughing all the way to the bank? The developer. And that's why Jared Polis's thing didn't pass for growing all the way to New York City. It doesn't work that way. You have to stop doing something that's ineffective first, and that is subsidizing the developer. And it happens every minute in Boulder. Mm. Mm. 300 square foot places, oh, they get a subsidy because they're covering um, the middle at $1,700 or $2,600 a month rent for 300 square feet. And they get no parking. They get a parking restriction drop. They get a height limit joint up higher. What's your question? The question is, livable communities, are those the answer? No, because too many, too much population. Is that the answer? No. There's not enough on the face of the planet. What are you going to do, Austin? You tell me. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. This is what community radio is all about. This is why KGNU is your community radio, where you can call, where you can ask the hard questions, where you can really feel that this is the open mic for you and your community. Austin, really difficult to hear this morning from our um, callers, but these are the these are the realities. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, Pulse shows that that it's not just a concern that just you know comes out of nowhere. A lot of people have to make these difficult decisions. They are frustrated. Um, you know, we are we're releasing additional data um, in August and September. Um, so this is just like a snippet of of some of the data that we've we've received um through pulse um folks are frustrated with um how government's operating um how they don't feel necessarily like their voice is being heard um to address issues that affect them personally to address issues that affect their their communities or their neighbors um so it's it's a it's a reality right um and that's why we want to do this year over year. We want to ensure that we're continuing to push, um, you know, that that these things can be addressed, that policymakers should make it a priority, that they should listen to their constituents, that they should listen to um, folks who are experiencing these issues, um, and that it's it's not just affecting individuals this is um this is a 
a real issue for so many of our, our friends and our families and our neighbors. Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation, talking about the polls survey that exposes why, you know, the things that people are concerned here. I still have somebody in the line that is John. Is there something else that you would like to ask Austin before yes. we hey. close? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, when somebody was saying before about their not hearing what we have to say, of course they don't. Their way is paid by someone else, by the people with money. And until we get together and uh, set aside all our separate issues for the moment to concentrate on the one issue of getting representatives in there who represent us and don't take money from them, until we get a government for the people, all of these issues are a matter of, of uh, contest between different people fighting for scraps. We have to get people in charge of the government again, people's representatives, get the revenue fairly, uh, progressively, across the whole uh, spectrum, including the very wealthy, and get on with addressing the needs of the people. So we have a well-educated, healthy well-disposed population, including a working class that gets paid enough to live and uh, and feels that they they are part of the country and have a share in it. And uh, until we address that issue of uh, governance for the people and get representatives who will do that, I don't see any hope. Thank you so much, John, for what you have shared, governance for the people. So good. Thank you so much for calling this morning. This is your connection calling show, your show. Thank you, John, again. Austin, Austin Montoya, do you have um, follow-up advice, um, something that you would like to say, something that I have not asked that you think is extremely important for our listeners to know? You know, again, I want folks to understand that this is... This is affecting everyone across the state. It's affecting everyone across political ideology, across income level, across race or ethnicity, across geography, really. These are issues that affect Coloradans, right? People who live in this state, people who call this state home. And we do this research to listen first, and then we get this out to the folks in power who make some of these decisions. A lot of the work that the Health Foundation does uh, outside of, of this research includes some of the grant making, includes some of the um, policy advocacy. But we also do things like engage with, um, with policymakers on a day-to-day basis, you know, telling them, you know, these these systems are not equitable. They don't allow folks to get their voices heard. They don't feel like they have power. But what what is true is that they do have power, and they are able to to make some of these decisions, make these changes, get involved, be civically engaged, um, show up to your city council meeting, your town hall. Um, 
So while those are individual issues um, or individual actions that you can take on, um, we also want to make sure that the people who are already in power are listening to you and we're there to make sure that they listen to you. Austin Montoya, Senior Officer for Policy Advocacy Communications from the Colorado Health Foundation. Thank you so much for coming, talking this morning about the Pulse survey that has been conducted in order to get the concerns of our communities, especially our communities of color here in the beautiful state of Colorado. Thank you so much for coming to the studios. And that's it for Connections this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk. Talk show. Talk back. Talk radio. Walk your talk. Talk your talk. KGNU talk. Call in. Call in and talk. Call in and connect. Connections. Friday mornings at 8.30 on KGNU. KGNU.